0: Hello and welcome to On Resistance. Uh, we're a horizontal radio collective agitating the airwaves. I'm Bobby London. And I'm Jay, thanks for listening. This week we will continue our series that we're doing on tactics. Last week we discussed uh, strikes, which you can listen to the full version of that show on our SoundCloud, which is www.soundcloud.com slash on-resistance. This week we will be discussing self-organizing, which will include assemblies, affinity groups, and how you facilitate that through communication. What is an assembly, and why did we decide to include it in the tactics
1: series? So... Just to start with uh, a little bit about what assemblies might provide a contrast to, just because most protest events, gatherings are organized by a particular organization or in a way that's hierarchical that has pre-chosen speakers and the space is pretty controlled and the audience or the people that are gathering are there to be the audience and not necessarily always to be active participants. and so. In my experience, the assembly, autonomous assemblies specifically, but assemblies in general, um, gatherings, provide a contrast to that by creating a space in which maybe there are some intentions. So that would be part of it, like how to create an assembly would be, I would say, like have some intentions or principles because that's one of the... um, people's concerns about it is that it's too free form and people show up and you might be going in other directions and do you really want to be making decisions with large groups of people that might include perspectives that are nationalist or, you know, right libertarian. And so that's why I would just say like assemblies can be an amazing space to bring out ideas and information and kind of grow some sort of cohesion that could lead to action. But it does have to have some principles and intentions. For example, a good one to just start with is no collaboration with police. And then obviously wanting to take positions that are not reinforcing of structural violence or racism or sexism or patriarchy or ableism and wanting to set those kind of intentions to a space and an assembly. Which then, now that you have those intentions, can be a gathering in which um, you choose direction or you choose goals or you choose action. So the reason why
0: I was excited to discuss assemblies, you know, in the collective of talking about tactics, it's because I feel like they can be really helpful for sort of creating an entryway for people, as well as uh, necessary if tactics like strikes were going to happen. Just the idea that like a single person or a single org can call for a strike, right? And a day, and pick a day. You know, it's cool and like direct action, like sort of like personal individual empowerment. But also like what you know, imagine if like a community assembly or like a water assembly or, you know, decided that they wanted to have a strike. And so like they, you know, met with each other and decided in a larger whole in this sort of like, you know, assemblies are, to me, are very much like water, like very like, you know, very moving bodies. They shouldn't be like this sort of structure because then they become statish, which like I've seen happen if you know you don't allow fluidity into like the body of the assembly. like The assembly is whoever is in that space at that moment. It's interesting because it's hard to talk about assemblies and not talk about Occupy. Because I feel like all I want to do is talk about Occupy and my experience with assemblies through that.
1: I feel like maybe my exploration of assemblies now is like through the lens of people who are critical of them mm-hmm. in a way because yeah, I definitely see why, like, the idea of coming to group decisions with large groups of whoever you know can walk up, I understand why there's concerns about that. It becomes a centralized body, and people feel like they can't act with without the assembly's approval or agreement. But I think that we have to shift maybe how we look at assemblies or dis- group decisions, because Ultimately, like you were saying, is like it only has power through the consent of the people that are present. So if a decision is made because we're present and all our concerns are addressed and we decide, hey, we want to do this, that is a potential catalyst for action or for direction. But then someone else that is coming to a later assembly, you know, that didn't make that decision you know, yeah, might have some questions, that doesn't necessarily mean it gets to derail the intention and direction that was decided upon. That person now gets to opt in or opt out as it's going and participation is always fluid. So decisions continue coming up. And also there's, it doesn't and it shouldn't negate or replace autonomous action. I think autonomous action should always be autonomy in general of the person of of the people should always be have room. Um, it's just this and this. Autonomous action and maybe some sort of collective direction or collective action. And, and I do think that when we're talking about other tactics, for example, if you're going to do a shutdown of some banks, yes, you can do a rolling picket line in front of the, in front of it as determined by whoever pre-organized that event. You can also decide to hold that space and have an assembly for the people there to be present and to, and to hear from each other and to build connectivity and to see like if there is affinity. So I think assemblies, if I am digging back to Occupy, were helpful in me finding out who I had affinity with and who I didn't have affinity with. And then, you know not necessarily meaning I have to move with this entire body, this entire assembly, but through that like we have different affinities and we try different things. And this body is kind of what we move through to meet each other and to maybe come to some some degree of alignment at the time. And if that alignment's not there, then that's also part of the process.
0: When I think of what my, like, idea of what a society that doesn't have states that are allowed to have, like, autonomous communities look like, I imagine many, 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 many assemblies kind of based on topics or issues. And, you know, depending on, like, events that happen. So, you know, if there was there's going to be, like, an earthquake (laughs) or, like, if there's going to be a storm or something and the, like, local area would have an assembly and see, like, what needs to happen, how they can gather resources and help each other. It's interesting because it's hard to talk about assemblies and not talk about Occupy because I feel like all I want to do is talk about Occupy and my experience with assemblies through that. I saw assemblies very much crucial, like, ground of Occupy, you know, like, for me it was, and it was sort of the tool That I saw used to kind of fight against co optation. Because for many of the people who had like a vested interest in controlling the assembly and just like having us be like puppet protesters, um, the assembly was just more of a like act, like a little show. Horizontalism isn't this actual thing that you try to attempt to do, it's just like a word, a buzzword, kind of like everything else that they use that's like sort of radical rhetoric in defense of these like unions like SCIU trying to like co opt us or we would end up using the assembly as a way of saying like no, like you can't do it. But then through that process then the assembly became authoritarian and very state like. Well did you ask the assembly for permission before you could do anything, you know, you can't do this in the name of Occupy without the permission of the assembly, you know, and that's like you can you can replace assembly with state at that point. And so I I think that critique is valid and necessary. And that's why I think it's important, again, for it to be fluid, for it not to be like member based, for it to just kind of be whoever is at the moment. And the thing about consensus is like, sure, like, you know, you can, like true consensus isn't just waving your fingers or like hard blocking, like it's actually showing up and doing it, you know, or not doing it. Or if everyone's like, yeah, we're gonna like go shut down this bank and I, thought we should have did something else, like, well, I don't consent to it, like, I'm not going to do it. it, Or if I think it's something harmful, like, they're like, we're going to go, like, shake hands with cops, then, like, I don't consent to that, but I can't stop you from doing it, (laughs) you know, but I can do a counter, like, I can plan a counteraction where, like, we're doing something else while you're doing that to highlight, like, the difference of our political ideas. And so I just think that assemblies is, like, one of the many direct actions that you can take um, in organizing. And, like, building off of last week of strikes, like, yeah, like, you know, I think assemblies would be a great way to introduce, you know, how are we going to organize autonomous communities or, you know, alternatives. Having assemblies were a space where people who, like, are indigenous and non-indigenous can, like, discuss these things and, like, and figure out what does moving forward mean in, like, a place that's been colonized. An in-person conversation that's offline, but assemblies also could happen online as well. I mean, they do, I guess. That's Twitter, one large assembly.
1: Any tactic... Assemblies can become misused. It did provide an interesting check on dynamics at Occupy LA. I realized that whatever the body of people gathered there, we weren't determining what the actions were. Established vested interests and organizations were calling the actions and then calling us to them. So there was no bottom-up, like participatory-driven process that was saying, what action do we want? Out of all these things, sure, it's a messy discussion, but like, what do we actually want? What would actually be you know, our collective action. And so what happened is affinity groups started forming that were outside of the working groups. So I would just say, like, assemblies aren't meant to replace anything. Again, like, how people organize themselves in affinity groups or in working groups or in what some might call committees. An assembly is another layer, I would say, kind of, like, has different effects. So, like, if we're in an affinity group over here who wants police abolition and we decide to have an assembly on it, we're still kind of showing... We're kind of setting some parameters or some intentions or some principles Um, as opposed to if the context were changing and if there is like a mass liberal protest where they're, you know, gathering and saying we're going to defeat Trump and we're going to do so through established representatives. Yay, like acting like it's different. And then we show up and we decide instead to have an assembly during their action. So, like, there's different effects and intentions of it or or even like this is something that like I think it's important for us not to take a patronizing kind of outside parachuting role during uprisings because I think that stifles them but I think giving the people space is important but then some somebody with the loudest megaphone comes in with their answer t-shirt <laughs> and you know says we're going here raw and then all these people go there so assemblies have the potential to replace an authority in any particular situation. If we're at a liberal rally that's saying, this is the authority and we have these established speakers, the assembly can now pop up organically and say, well, what do the people here gathered actually feel and actually think is necessary? Not just the speakers that you've set us up to be audience for. So I think it yeah, it changes on context and direction and, and outcome. And maybe assemblies aren't the best tactic all the time, but they are like, yes, a tool that could be used in certain situations. And I think you know, neighborhood Community assemblies are happening. It's just as people are talking about strikes and blockades, all these actions that we can be taking, um, it is one of the tactics that allows the space to open up, and that can be messy. But I think it's better than the space being shut down and narrowed down to just what one specific person wants um, or one specific org wants.
0: Because when you mentioned neighborhood assemblies, I participated in starting a neighborhood assembly, and it was immediately like immediately, like co-opted by neighborhood council. And then, and just turned into like, okay, how can we like, you know, flesh out ideas, like basically do the work for neighborhood council and then bring it back to them and see if they'll agree. Instead of it being, well, no, let's make this something that nothing connected to like any of the local city government and instead make it actual, you know, an empowering space for us outside of that. So I I lasted like two or three meetings (laughs) there. I don't know if it still exists or what it looks like now.
1: I don't necessarily think that that, like, we need to put on assemblies for other people. Yeah, I think that context is, like, the main thing. Is like, okay, so let's say there's all this outrage because this horrible thing just happened and everybody wants to go to City Hall or everybody wants to go to the Neighborhood Council. An assembly is a good check on that, like, mm-hmm. is a good alternative to that because we're not going to have agreement in that assembly. Yeah. We're not going to all be, like, now we're revolutionaries. <laughs> but... In City Hall, we're not even going to be talking to each other. So it's like maybe there's room for assemblies in some situations, but I don't think we need to – because it's also – it brings up horizontalism and how, like, this world – as much as we want horizontalism, like, it isn't currently horizontal. Yeah. So –
0: it would have been cool to do the check-in when we were on the march feeling like okay they're just following this like i don't feel comfortable like in my head i was like i want to dip but like i organized this so i can't dip you know and so that moment it would have been cool to be like hey how does everyone feel you know do you want
1: to dip out or not i mean that's like a whole other thing about like also the organ the pressure of organizing things and kind of the those are a lot of territoriality around organizing and then once you call for something there's all this pressure on you like oh you called for something we've talked about before how like if you don't call for something an authoritarian organization will definitely call for something and so I feel like unfortunately what ends up happening is people call for assemblies and those things in contrast to those authoritarian orgs setting an agenda and limiting what's possible but maybe the thing is an assembly is a tactic, but it's not the strategy. So like, it should be a spontaneous assembly to discuss this. This thing has been discussed. Now we go forth and move on it. But now it's not a recurring body in some cases. But that is where people people talk about assemblies as a form of alternative governance. Mm-hmm. And so it really has to be opt-in. And maybe that's how you govern yourself, by using an assembly. But that doesn't mean you now, through that assembly, have authority over your neighbor <laughs> right because you didn't go to the assembly tonight
0: <laughs> so like you didn't know that we voted actually you know and to, that's how like, it was it occupied yeah you know like oh you but you're like hey I didn't know or you had to like rush down to go to like the assembly because they were going to make some decision that was going to like try to like purposely affect you from being a part of a committee or something like that and so you're like oh I heard they're you know we're deciding tonight what we're going to do on this so you got to like hurry and run so you can try to like hard block it and it's like what what is that So, yeah, I don't.
1: That makes it sound more like an organization. Like an organization that's run through assembly. Yeah. Which is like.
0: Which makes sense because there was a bunch of Marxists. You know what I mean? There's a bunch of statists. So you have to think about, like, the politics of the people who were involved. So, of course, like, my, like, wide Ied self didn't realize like, but like the political aspects of the people who are involved. It's like, yeah, no, they were purposely trying to make the like assembly a state, you know, like a central body. Yeah. yeah, because that's their politics, like their status. So it's like, yeah, when you have a bunch of like Marxists, and it's gonna
1: happen. I just remember there being so much, um, and like that's like where I think it comes in is like where you do have large amounts of people, the quote unquote mass that comes out. And then you do have like people with more institutional power trying to set direction, and then what is gonna form up in response to that? And so I guess we should look at the other things that formed up that weren't the assemblies only. It was affinity groups, there were the, the different sections of camp that named themselves different things and organized themselves in different ways. Sometimes our conversations raise more questions, and I think that's okay because we're not necessarily in the business of providing answers, Yeah. but kind of just drawing out questions and trying to figure out what the experiences have told us or what we're learning.
0: So another way of self-organizing is affinity groups, which um, was mentioned a lot before in the General Assembly portion. And affinity groups, for me, the way I define it is just people that I am in solidarity with, who I trust, at least trust enough to be at a protest and do street action with. In the context of like actions, I feel like they have to have, I know they won't talk to the cops. I know that if I get arrested, they'll have my back. Like, I know that, you know, they're not going to peace police me. That, like, basically, like, that we're basically trusting our lives with each other, you know? Like, we're trusting that, like, we're going to be supportive and there for each other at that moment. And that we're kind of on the same pace when it comes to being out of action. For me, that's how I kind of see affinity groups.
1: And I feel like you could use it in different ways too so you could have a general affinity group like oh this is the affinity group that I roll with but also it could be like based on situations so like let's say there's this rally coming up and you know that you want to have a certain presence there or you know that you might get harassed or peace policed there and so you know there's like a uh, an intentional group of people that you can yeah have some sort of degree of trust with and I think affinity is defined by you so what what are your you know intentions and values and and having some overlap of tactics I found is very important and then like for example like an affinity group just as as an example is we used to try to do this uh thing called anti-op block it's like anti-oppression block and we had specifically an affinity around like if any one of us wanted to go to something but felt like there were gonna be people there that maybe there was, um, had been abusive or there was potential issues with, then um, that person would check in with the group and be like, hey, I wanna go to this thing. Does anyone else wanna go to this thing? And then essentially all we would do is go together and just be there together and hold space together. But we would check in before, during, and after because we knew that you know someone was there that someone wasn't comfortable with, but they didn't wanna be bullied out of the space. They didn't wanna feel like they couldn't participate because other dynamics would be present. And so in that specific case, that affinity group was for that purpose um, of providing support so people didn't feel like they didn't have to go to things. But again, it could be for any for any intention. They also can, it's good if you can go to
0: actions with an affinity group, but also they can kind of form while you're at an action or protest or march, whatever. I've had that happen where I was, I was there by myself and through sort of You can tell how everyone else is reacting towards someone else. I remember I was at this one march, and there was this person who was kind of taking this leadership role, and I thought it was, like, sketch, and then you kind of, like, look around to see who else is noticing that this person's being sketch, and then through that, you guys are all sort of kind of like, yeah, you know, this person's sketchy, and now you have affinity with each other through this, you know, hierarchy trying to put their authority over the march and then you can work together in a layered way, understanding that you just met these people and they could be undercovers trying to purposely like infiltrate you. At least some sort of solidarity, like, okay, well, I feel at least with some comfort knowing that I'm not the only person that isn't just gonna like follow this random person for no reason. There's layers to affinity, I feel like. And it's also helpful if you have an individual buddy, so it's, you both can kind of check on each other But sometimes you don't have anyone and you have to go by yourself and that can be dangerous. And so if that happens, it's good to sort of check in with people before you leave and check in with people after you leave just to know like, hey, I'm going here and if I don't come back, something probably happened (laughs) that wasn't good.
1: Yeah. And I think there's ways that you can have more or less affinity. Like, for example, sometimes there are people that during street actions, like, You've seen them multiple times and you know that they're there, and you know that they also don't snitch or peace police. And you might not be closer than that and be more directly working on anything closely day to day, but you know that in the streets you have some degree of affinity with that person. And so if stuff were to go down, you know, at least there's kind of this knowledge that there's other people that, you know, have been through similar situations or might not react in ways that are authoritarian in that situation. But that doesn't necessarily mean like you work together day to day on a project. So it's a different type of affinity. And I, yeah, I think that you can be more or less intentional depending on what what the um, capacity is of, of everybody. It can be a recurring long-standing thing. It could be a one-time thing. Sometimes, yeah, if you're going to a march that's going to be hostile because it's liberal or it could be a fascist gathering you probably want some sort of affinity group but yeah if, if not a present affinity group you know someone like was said to check in with or that might know that you're going to this thing and, and to check in with you and then like there's so many ways to get into it because affinity groups can be useful in protests um, can be particularly useful in blockades and blocks essentially a block is made up of multiple affinity groups and so once we start talking about how to self-organize ourselves and affinity is also like, how do we like to make decisions? Cause you're not going to be an affinity with someone who's like, well, I'm the leader every time or, well, I'm not, <laughs> or, um, but you know, every three months they rotate leadership and that's their affinity group. I am not knocking it. I'm not going to organize that way uh, myself, because I find that actually limits participation, but it's going to be like, Oh, how do you want to organize yourself? Now this opens up, this is a method of doing so, but, now that's up to your affinity group to decide and structure yourselves. Like, do you have check-ins? You know, do you have a process? Is there accountability? Is there communication? Are there roles? Do those roles rotate and change? I think that having standing roles probably isn't the best idea, but I will say that like, it is nice if you are regularly going to uh, protests that turn into kind of street conflicts um, that you check in with people like, yeah, have a buddy or like also know like, okay, friends, groups, comrades, whoever, if they form a right line, like it's someone, it's a group the where you can like check in with people ahead of time. So you're not like facing something for the first time. Or if you are facing it for the first time, there's communication there. Or like you and your buddy know that like for right line forms, you have to get out, you know, and then maybe the other two people in your affinity group are like, well, we're willing to stay until everyone gets out. Or... And another person in the affinity group is like, well, I'm specifically there to watch the police and to communicate with anyone if I see any snatch squads forming or operations like that. And then another person is like, well, I'm the medic, which means, you know, I have all the supplies on me. So there's like just different ways in an affinity group. There can be an affinity group that is entirely medics. The whole the whole affinity group is medics. The whole affinity group is the food you know, committee. The whole affinity group is taking this action at this time, or it can be an affinity group that, like, yeah, splits up different responsibilities based on what people want, not assignments, <laughs> and then uh, you know rotates or tries different things. And that's a model that I kind of appreciate because I think that's how we build skills too. Like, if we take turns trying different uh, support, supporting each other. Really, we're just taking turns supporting each other in different ways, um, and that makes taking direct action a lot more achievable if you have an affinity group to take action with that you have a communication with.
0: Self-organizing is such an important part of autonomy because it's basically how are we going to create and build and coexist with each other so we need to self-organize how we're going to protect each other. Um, Self-organizing you know how we're going to sustain ourselves eating that doesn't have to depend on capitalism and corporations self-organize um, how do we like respect each other and sort of try to meet each other's needs or at least you know demand that our needs aren't disrespected which is an impossible reality cuz like if you yeah
1: yeah i feel like there's so many ways to self-organize like i would say even like something as simple as check-ins mm-hmm. like come to mind the practice of checking in with each other in intentional ways And that could have different degrees, like, hey, how's your day? But then there's also like, hey, you know, we've been friends for a while, like, you know, being open to critique, being open to reflection, having a deeper level, uh, addressing interpersonal dynamics. If you are working with someone long term, (laughs) I'm thinking about us. (laughs) Because we've done it before, for OR, And I feel like that's because there was multiple personalities. It still is helpful, even if it's just us. But, you know, sometimes if you're working with each other for a long time, people's affinity changes. And so there has to be room to check in about that. And then, yeah, checking in on like, okay, we agreed to go to this thing tomorrow. Well, how are you feeling now, right? And like giving room for fluidity and for people to really, um, why self-organize? I just feel like I can't trust any of these institutions or entities to organize me or others or the people or the masses, whatever they're saying. So I just feel like teaching each other the tools of self-organization will increase communication and outcomes kind of like it's like what's the alternative to police um, yeah we can create some mechanisms like direct response groups and like a hotline to call for help that isn't gonna result in policing but also the long term is teaching ourselves how to de-escalate and changing how we interact and connect and communicate so similarly it's like we can create assemblies and all this stuff but the long term we have to also be developing the skill of self-organization and communication
0: I feel like capitalism, like being poor forces you to self-organize, right? Like we we already do a lot of self-organizing of figuring out how we're going to get our food, how we're going to like pay rent, how you're going to survive. A lot of the ways in which we would do so in, in a community that was truly autonomous, like I feel like, you know, in a sort of micro more level like we're already practicing those things. I think a self-organization I think about how I can occupy a big thing was um, redefining how labor was valued. I think self-organizing also is it's kind of like you're not literally doing it just with yourself there's like a sort of whether if it's a temporary affinity or a larger collective or community or whatever you're doing it with other people and so there's a sort of mutual like I'm going to take some sort of shared responsibility and effort and labor on this. So it's not just on like one person, so we're not like replicating like the same hierarchical structures that currently exist um, in statism and capitalism. So a lot about self-organization is sort of taking um, collective responsibility, but individual responsibility of the collective. Communication, as like mentioned before, is very important. And being honest about where you're at and communicating that is you know, it's crucial. I think fluidity in all of this, whether it's assemblies, whether it's affinity groups, whether, you know, it's figuring out what's going to be for dinner um, (laughs) is is key, ensuring that we don't replicate oppressive dynamics that currently already exist.
1: Like an example of self-organization, since we don't want to treat each other like capitalism does, like expendable, like resources to be used without any care for where we're at and what we're the trauma and the day to day that we're struggling under is we we're just talking about how communication is accountability because like just because we're in a collective, we're in a family group together, doesn't mean like now we're entitled to each other. And so like what does that mean to keep communication open? Is accountability is like me checking in and saying and being honest and being like, hey, I said that I could do this but like I'm going through this thing and like I can't do it and just communicating with people as opposed to the current model which is like people have to perform or else And it's like, there's no room for honesty and for people bringing their whole selves into it. And so it's like, if you don't do it, it creates fears, people don't communicate because people don't wanna let each other down. Just like an example of like ways that, you know, when we make commitments to each other and like, if we can't keep them or we can't, you know, follow through or whatever, that doesn't necessarily reflect on us as bad individuals. It's because we're suffering under this structure. And if I can't do that work, I have to communicate about it, because if not, someone else is going to have to do that work.
0: So that was our show on self-organizing. And it's a part of our series that we're doing around tactics. And you can listen to this show and the rest of our previous past shows, including last week's strike show, at www.soundcloud.com slash on-resistance. You can follow us on Twitter at on Resistance LA, Facebook on-resistance, email us at on Resistance radio at gmail.com thanks for listening we're on every friday except for the first friday at 7 30 p.m